This is SideQuest Completed, the Hobbyist Game Dead podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC, coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. SideQuest Completed! He does this every time. He does this every time. It's all part of the fun. So this is SideQuest Completed, and uh, today we have an a interview episode uh, viewing Ray. Um, I don't have a last name, so I can only say Ray. Uh, Ray, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm Ray Perry. I go by Ray Cat Hoodat online. I'm primarily a hobbyist, game dev, and developer, a consultant. Living the life, living the dream, and uh, still struggling to balance. Yeah, the struggle is real. Yeah, Ray's actually a coworker of mine, so I know exactly where he's coming from. Cool. So... I'm going to ask, like, well, I guess we'll start off, quick question, uh, what have people been up to, uh, what have they been playing, watching, whatnot, just jump into the media introduction. Well, I actually just came upstairs after um, semi-forcing my wife to sit through her, uh, to play through the demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake. I wanted to Ooh. see what it was like before I got my pre-order that I already put in, but I didn't want to... I'm not... I want to wait till I get the actual copy in my hands to play it myself, so I thought that was a way of seeing what the what it's like without getting my hands on it yet. So, so that was what did you think of it? I was giddy like schoolgirl. It was... <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So yeah. good. Well, I have a little confession to make. I don't think I've ever actually played Final Fantasy VII. Get out. I did watch my... Well, I watched my brother play a lot of it. And now I did that. And I might have played a lot of... I can't remember. This was a long time ago. Back when it was still relatively new. So we a blur in my memory. We much more of a Nintendo household growing up. So we have a lot of PlayStations around the house. Yeah. But I feel kind of hopeful for it. With like a pretty polished, interesting balances and whatnot. And I actually like the idea of it being episodic. This is something I mentioned earlier uh, with uh, friends elsewhere. The, having a paced gaming experience. We're not trying to play a whole 120 hours plus of game in one shot. That's like a whole separate discussion. That media thing just yet. Yeah, I, I really like it, although I am curious what the pricing model is going to be as new episodes yeah. come out, because uh, I did pay $80 for just the first part. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole separate discussion there about game pricing. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk to some about what I've been up to. I've been playing too much Overwatch, which is, I guess, a bit of an in-reference in this podcast since Calvin and I both play plenty of Overwatch. It's been a new event. I already unlocked the, all the stuff for the this first week. It was fun revisiting the archive missions, especially with the modifiers. For next week, part two of the this challenge. Other than that, still playing Mistover. Just grinding on that. It's that's a little diversion for the commute. Well, it was a nice diversion for the commute. Not so much this month. We all know why. Um, other than that, I finally caught up a little bit on some manga. Got the latest volume of My Hero Academia, that I quite enjoy. I'm looking forward to reading the next volume of Delicious in Dungeon. If you like D&D, Dungeons and & Dragons, and cooking, you'll probably enjoy Delicious in Dungeon. Interesting crossover of topics. Yeah. And I guess, uh, Ray, how about you? What have you been up to media-wise lately? So, all right. So, Mind, Body, and Soul by Hades by Supergiant. Oh. It's real good. It's like, it, mm, it's really up there. They said that there's something along the lines of ten to 11,000 lines of dialogue that are unique, that are all voice acted. And I'm like, how do they do this? How do they have the time for this? It's not even finished yet. It's not even finished yet. It's crazy. It's like probably one of the best early access games that I've seen come out anywhere, honestly. Yeah. It, 
But then again, Supergiant has always been quality. Bastion, Zister, higher. They've done no wrong by me. Big, big agreement. I love all those games. Yeah, so good. It's funny that same discussion I was having actually in the gaming channel on the work chat, talking about length of games. And I was talking about, was it if your game can't survive an early release and no one wants to play it after that, maybe it's not a game idea worth completing. Wow. And like, yeah, this company, this Supergiant, definitely makes a case for that in many ways because everything they bring out is just fantastic that's like a whole separate discussion yeah yeah i i think i'd love to argue (laughs) with that at length in another another conversation because mm, i disagree so hard (laughs) oh i want the conflict yes the drama cool um anything else right so primarily been hades for game regards to anime watching god i keep the full roman full romanized name but it's keep your hands off Isaac. It's yeah. essentially an anime about three girls who want to make an anime. Very much want to watch that. It's like, I have a real, well, I, I'm going to say that I'm an enthusiast of art, animation, and seeing that fluidity and that quality, seeing those, just see them, just, it's, the whole anime is a giant love like traditional anime and how they, um, and it's just, it's wonderful to watch. It just feels good. It feels right. And like cheering, you know, they really try to make it traditional in lieu of all of the production marketing they go through all of it so it's it's a really fun that's, like my a, watch list. that's an interesting self-reflective uh show to make it's like i'd be curious how much of that is venting by the people making it uh, i think it's a it's a combination right because in order to write a love letter you need to know well not exactly but in order to write a good love letter you need to know what are the flaws as well so yeah. I think it's because they've been through the industry and they've done it for so many years by a, uh, a relatively large director, Masaki Yuasa, who did Ping Pong, uh, Tatami Galaxy, Kaiba, and a few others. It's because of that, that experience comes out as they still love the the art form. And that's, real, that's really what we're at the heart. Like with One Punch Man, it might be a parody of superhero genre but still very clear love of the genre exactly kind of vision where they yeah. want to see it doing better outside of that in regards to media primarily it i've got a separate fandom that is a part of the discussion common writer and super, that's i can go on for hours to skip over oh i love good super sentai i i, 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 Rangers. I do want to go back and, and add to my uh to my recap along with that of his seven demo i also have been jumping back in last night i got into the ps4 remaster of shadow of the colossus saying that oh, which is nice. so so gorgeous in the the remastered version um mm-hmm. uh, it's just so much fun to get back to that i haven't played that for a long time I've, i have to confess i own shadow of the colossus on ps2 and i think maybe even ps4 version and haven't gotten around to playing it oh I'm a terrible Blasphemy. gamer. No. Blasphemy. <laughs> Just to be clear, we're not. This is not sincere as my admonishment. Mm-hmm. No one's expecting you to have played all the classics to be a quote unquote real gamer any more than you have to read all the classic literature to be a real quote unquote reader. Or have to watch Citizen <laughs> Kane to be a real movie watcher. Even though I have, it was also assigned a movie in class, so I didn't do it on my own. I am a big fan of enjoying the history of media non-linearly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to understand a lot of old sci-fi while maybe skipping it because it was pretty sexist and racist. All right, to uh, Japan, the last thing we usually talk about is what Kav and I have been doing this last week in game day progress since we tried to maintain that regularly, right? So Kav and I can open with that. And if you've been doing anything game dev-wise, feel free to add some or we can just uh, move on to the next part. 
Well, I, I will I will start by um by admitting that, and this is partly we recorded last a late later than we usually do. This recorded on Wednesday evening. Um, I haven't gotten any time to put in, and but I expect that I'll have a lot more time for for a few weeks because I'm not going anywhere, and my son's school's closed, <laughs> and you know it's mm. going to be a lot of extra free time. So that's good. Yes, in my case, it's been holding steady. Um, working from home isn't unusual for me. It's pretty doable with my job, so it hasn't really impacted me very much versus less commute. I've been busy brain well, absorbing in sorry, blah. Yeah, enough caffeine today. But absorbing feedback from a beta reader gives some really good feedback and incorporating that into planning for the edits to Anthrotari, uh, the visual novel. May even add some email exchanges between the main character and and uh, ant character, I might add. A-U-N-T, specify. That should make help a little bit with developing the character, the protagonist as a character, and so on and so forth. So we'll see how that goes. Been a lot of just dictating notes to myself on what his interactions would be like, what the proposed new character's history is like, and so otherwise setting myself up for really productive writing session comes to her. Anything good? Yeah, no, I was just going to elaborate or ask, maybe not specifically about what it's about, you said at what's the where like who are the good thing to review so it's a visual novel set on the 90s internet oh so, okay, okay yeah so it's presented as you being on a computer with little icons you can double click primarily set in a chat interface so mm. you have the avatar for the person you're chatting with dialogue below that advancing and on the side part a simple email interface i still looked at the ui on that to be a little more emaily but mm. it just models simple back and forth email exchanges. That's a side thing compared to the vast majority. That's just chat room. In regards to game, day, it's it's kind of strange. So I've been there's kind of this passion project that I've been holding on, kind of starting to get into it now. Uh, so have you guys heard of the game depart or the game dev? I don't the band. So. No relation to the band. No, no relation to the band. <laughs> There'll be a funny uh, crossover like Mastodon the band and Mastodon the social media platform. But yeah. <laughs> Um, so Sting is kind of, it's a game company that's been known for a few games and they have a series of games called, they call the Department Heaven and Department Heaven, it basically has five episodes. I think it's five episodes, but it's non-chronological. Um, there's like one, two, and then it jumps to five. So I started looking into that and I wanted to really like dive into it and start researching because Department Heaven isn't actually written chronologically or it's not a time travel piece at all. No, no, no. The designation of the numbers is relative to the originality of the game. I am very confused. I have no idea yes, what that means. <laughs> so basically they say, so De- uh, Department Heaven Episode 1 is called Riviera the Pro- Um It was a Game Boy Advance game. It was basically your standard JRPG with like minimal dating asks and straightforward. There was nothing really. Um, episode 2 was a game called Yigdra Union. Yigdra Union, We Will Never Stop. Uh, that was on. That was also on Game Boy Advance, and then I got a PSP remake. Uh, that was a lot more complex. Where, or not a lot more. Uh, it was more complex. And it was practical. It was tactical and focused on contextual team action, where basically you'll position a team in a certain way with a certain number of units, and when you attack, they'll do some special move or some special maneuver that you could only do because you had. You know, five archers in an x formation. Okay. Interesting. But then we go to episode four, Is that which is the next one after episode 2? Yes. Sure. So 
so then we go to episode five, which is called Nights in the Nightmare, which was a Game Boy or was a DS game. And let me tell you, <laughs> that game. So the tutorial's an hour straight up. Jeez. Like it's not it's not like a, one of those in-game tutorials where you just get the title drop later on. No, no, no. The tutorial, the block of tutorial, all the tips is an hour long. Wow. <laughs> it is a tactical. It, it's tactical bingo item management bullet hell. Did you uh, have a hat to pull those words out of? I wish I did, but unfortunately, no. That wow. is nice of the nightmare. <laughs> Hence the name nightmare. <laughs> it really is that astounding and also terribly wonderful in a weird way. Exactly, and it's that type of strangeness to the whole series that has made me kind of dive into it. And I want my goal is to research the. Um, and the design of them in depth so that I can kind of distill the the gems inside of it. Because I've played Nights in a Nightmare, and I put a good amount of time to it. I put about, what was it, 50 hours into it? And I still didn't get the good because you have to destroy a particular item. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, in order to get the actual good ending, you have to position a particular knight in a particular place. You have to break a certain item that's invisible twice that doesn't give you a response in order to get a was it 23.5 mission which is another place where there's all these different boxes around this ugly you know thing kind of like smog uh like hobbit smog it's just a giant gold horn and that monster goes around and breaks all of the boxes and you have to find the box that is randomly uh, that randomly contains the key item to get the good ending and you have to break that box but you have to put it you have to put the treasure chest like damage the treasure chest to 99% not 98 not 100 99% in order to open it and then you get the item inside and you have to do it before the monster breaks the box and crushes it's not going to sound like a fever dream it really is but I promise there's some good gems. There's something in there. There's some good concepts yeah. in there. And I want to spend my time to try and pull out the... Yeah, so I've rambled parts. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast. It's pretty much always rambling. <laughs> this, is making me th- this makes me think of um, these things uh, that we have called story cubes. It's like a set of Ooh. dice, and there's actually multiple oh, yeah, sets. They have different symbols for different concepts, and it's supposed to help you with writing. Uh, when you get blocks, you roll them, and you use whatever random things pop up to inspire the next scene or whatever to get out of the the writer's block this makes me think about designing a game by completely random mechanic roles oh yeah do it i can actually i can actually see two of my boxes of my story dice from where i'm sitting right now at my desk (laughs) yeah i love those things i've got three or four sets yeah they're they're pretty they're pretty fun to use i I don't have them enough lately i've used uh i think one or two game sessions tabletop role-playing using those as primary guidance because there's an off-the-cuff game and I didn't have anything ready. So we just made stuff up as we went. That could probably Fantastic. be a jam. That would yeah. be a cool jam to hold. Yeah, I can just imagine the idea of uh, everyone plays diff- on different tables and then every hour or so we roll the one set of dice for the entire multi-table game session and everyone has to incorporate the dice rolls into their different campaign regardless of what else has been happening. <laughs> yeah. It sounds wonderful and terrible. <laughs> Exactly. I'm also someone who loves playing Fiasco, the storytelling game, way too much. So that's mm. right up my alley. So, Ray, um, do you have a particular direction that you want to take what you distill from these? Or are you currently in a stage of wanting to make something inspired by these games, but you don't really know what that's going to be yet? 
I think it's going to be more of the latter. I definitely don't have a direction for it just yet because, like I said, um, when you're looking at into the void and the void says bullet hell bingo you kind of have to sit there and you know break it down like it's kind of cryptic like a fortune cookie except this one has like three five buzzword oh wow yeah Shit. any like very interesting parts you've derived from that research so far any highlights? I can break down the subsystems probably in Knights of the... Just to, just to give you an, an idea of what you're doing. Ooh, go for it. So it's a, it starts with a, an isometric grid, and you start off with different spots spawn in your knights, your duel, or whatever class you want, and that's fine. That's straightforward. Each one of those knights or duel... Or each one of those units has its own level and chaos index and law in. Get to that in a minute. Um, you then are able to equip the the sides of the so like all four corners of the screen with a particular weapon and there's what is it 1200 weapons or something and they have yeah and they all have their own element and they also have their own on hit combo or on hit effects so there's a combo counter as well where when you hit the enemy and it does that many hits if the number matches up with how many, um, or whatever box it is on that weapon, it'll activate a particular effect or whatever. But there's also it, curses and other things, and this is just the weapon. You, oh, nice. In order to equip the weapons to the knight, you have to have the knight match the same element as the weapon, but then the knight can use the weapon in certain phases, which is law or chaos. And in order to get gems in order to MP, you need to switch between law and chaos because the fog that generates the, that generate the MP in order to attack disappears so you uh, it's like it's uh, just, it's, it's, uh, just so it's just so very much capital it's s capital so, m yeah so i guess the biggest thing that i've gleaned from that at least the base base gem is having an isometric uh, an isometric board that's tactical where your units are fixed but you have to kind of piece together um piece together like the weapon ranges so if you remember Dungeon Dice Monsters from a long time ago, uh, it's kind of, I would imagine something like that where you kind of have a weapon like, oh, okay, I have an axe, but one row directly in front of me. Or, so maybe I need to equip that and then put this on another, put another weapon, like a lance on another unit to cover that other row. Yeah. You know, trying to make something like that. So it's a little bit like Tetris, but way since the nightmare. To imagine how you would backport Nets and Nightmare to a regular bingo game. Oh, the bingo game was, we weren't even... We didn't even get to the bingo game. The bingo game is between rounds. No. <laughs> oh, no. Afraid to ask now, but I'll do it anyway. I'll be brave. Okay. So the bingo board shows up in between rounds. So you basically, you have 60 seconds and you have, that's your time, basically. The time is what you use. That's your currency to activate the weapon. Because the weapons take time to charge. So that's the currency. It's like um, metaphor, it's game seconds, not literal seconds. No, uh, game seconds. Yes, correct. So then when you run out of time, that is the end of the round. Then the round opens up the slot machine where you basically choose a monster on the roulette. And on the bottom, there's a battle matrix, which is the bingo. It's basically lighting up certain spots. And you can choose uh, which monsters you want to fight based on um, whatever is lighting up on that board. But the whole point of it is that you either... Hit, you get a bingo, which is diagonal, horizontal, or vertical. You clear a line, and then you clear the mission. Okay. It's like imagining like people, senior citizens, just at a bingo table, and then someone gets bingo and breaks out a sword from underneath the table and takes out <laughs> his opponents to each side so advance to the next round. 
Or people take bingo very seriously. It's not at yeah. swords. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I thought they always had swords. I thought that was a tradition. This is Florida, maybe. <laughs> uh, I imagine this make a very interesting anime parody video, I might add. You might be on to some there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this whole discussion could turn into a very interesting analysis of when does your game have too many features? Yeah, it, it really comes. Well, when does your game have too many orthogonal? Uh, feature like if you can have multiple features, but if they all match together, you don't care as much. Like Dwarf Fortress, yeah. but this game oops. just like you know, like it was said, pulled stuff from the hat and just then dumped the hat over, so it was empty. Yep, that's basically yeah. it. And somehow it all they somehow made it comprehensive enough to be a game in name alone, but game yeah. <laughs> that's there. Oh, wow. It's an interesting contrast to a game I just started playing last night. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's called Roundegard. It's Peggle. What's that for? Uh, I know it's on iOS. It might also be Android. Okay. I was playing on my girlfriend's phone. But mm-hmm. it's a Peggle with some RPG elements. Because you actually okay. battle some of the little peg things, round things you bounce against. Mm-hmm. And you can level up, have various abilities. And while each different character you can play has their own unique play style and various features and stuff to worry about, it's never too much of one at one time. You only have the two, at most two skills you can use. Mm-hmm. All the armor, weapon abilities, whatnot are all passive. And it's, you never, even there's a lot of literally moving parts, it's never too confounding at one time. That's actually very interesting. That might hit on it. How, what is that where you want to, you want to give the, you want to empower the you to actually play the game and you know, play it to relatively but when do you have to, as a developer, kind of mediate that information? When, what do you, what the line would decide, hey, this might be a bit of overload? Yeah. I noticed there's a little detail in the UI for Overwatch that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Only support characters who can heal notice the health levels of their allies. Because mm-hmm. the actual, their actual little wireframe you see behind walls mm-hmm. changes in color from, letter, from green to yellow more yellow as they get lower and lower in health. Whereas that, that is a, if you're any other class. That is yeah. the, a default for them. You can change that though, any character. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah, so like if you really care about the health, you can change it. But it makes more sense to only provide that by default to yeah. people who can actually act on information. Wait, you said it makes no sense or it makes, it makes sense? Makes it's like, if, okay. like if you're Reinhardt with a big hammer and shield, you really can't do much about your allies uh, having low health beyond because you're really trying to save them, block damage from them always anyway. You have to rely on them to get behind your shield. Whereas if you're uh, Mercy, you need to know who needs a little power juice up, a little healing at all times. Similarly, I think no character has more than, what, two or three abilities they can activate at one time by default, outside of the ultimate. Magible, yeah. So even though there's a lot of different characters, and you'll deal with a lot of different power sets, and give match... Getting up to 12 different characters at one time between one side and your side, it's still manageable because you're not dealing with your own part of it is much smaller. It's not too many moving parts. Right. But even comparing to League of Legends, Dota, the other mobile rips that I won't, that I won't name because I, I've seen a lot of those die. In, oh, yeah. But even between uh, those League of Legends, Overwatch kind of streams it a bit more where they don't have items. Items, no minions to watch over a far fewer cooldowns. Yeah. No items to collect, like I already said. And objectives are much simpler. Just move this one payload, hold this one spot. And even even if you have two or three places to grip, you have to 
capture, it's one at a time. This is talking about the regular stuff versus like the free from stations or the special story missions, whatnot. Right. And those are just and like separate little things entirely self-contained. Although I guess as a counterpoint, argue League of Legends is Apple's Overwatch's. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I would say it's more similar to uh, to League and, and Dota than to Team Fortress 2. I mean, being a team shooter sure. is uh, kind of a, at, the, at the detail of the different approaches that they take, that is almost just a surface level comparison Fortress and, uh, and Overwatch. Feel of playing them, the approach to characters, um, approach to abilities and action, you know, entirely different. It's like same foundation, same, like, structure but everything else beyond that the system makes it really what it is is very different like a house and an office are technically both um, square buildings with doors but you can use them very differently that's interesting i i guess real estate terms, it would say um they have the same yeah. they have pushed the payload both of them have essentially a hero or a main class i mean yeah you can choose multiple but two or three, they have the same back and forth push and flow. I, I guess I would be, I would be more convinced, or I, I would be harder to saying that it completely. It's very, definitely a very strong intersection between TF2 and League of Legends to get Overwatch. It's almost like the TF2 League of Legends baby. <laughs> Legends of Fortress. Oh no. <laughs> oh yes. Legends of Fortress. Oh, one thing that, was, that that is really interesting about the design of Overwatch is the elements it took from very different genres, from very different games to mix. Not just that it came out with something interesting and unique there, but that um, that's something with just, as we've already established, a lot of specific genres and, and games over the lineage of, of video gaming, we'll keep seeing more mix-ups over time. Oh. And we'll keep saying, mm-hmm. here's these things we already know really well. And we're going to put them together to something totally new. Uh, the more we get the established languages and grammars of game design and game mechanics that go together, we'll understand them well enough to remixing them. In- yeah, pretty much looking forward to that evolution of gaming. We're just getting started. Yeah, there's enormous untapped uh, possibilities for how we'll work together, uh, which is really interesting because you know, we're all relatively young. Whenever we're old and retired and all we got... To- Time to play video games. Who knows what the hell is going to be it's a, crazy? Play Final Fantasy 30 is going to be amazing. <laughs> Final Fantasy 30 will end up being like some bowling alley management simulator. This is with uh, uh, Moss. So, Ray, what are some genre mashups you'd love to see? Genre matter if we're going on that road. I mean, well, I guess you, you said genre map. Like, I've in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a sure. Bullet Hell Zoo Manager. Zoo Manager? Bullet Hell. Bullet Hell? Oh. Yeah. You know, I can actually uh, see that. Yeah. Or what do you what are you thinking with it? Like, what picture? It involves dot, uh, monkeys flinging stuff. Yes, that's exactly uh, the first thing I thought of. Uh, I was I was hoping it wasn't. I was like, maybe he has something. <laughs> no, that's what, that's just my brain is terrible. Or right, I was imagining like hippopotamuses have a like conical effect. Giraffes so swinging their heads back and forth. Yeah, it's like just the zoo's gone. <laughs> Basically, imagine that like West is Westworld, but farm but animals, and that's where the bullet hole part comes in, and the dating sim part. Oh, because Lion Sand is everyone loves Lion Sand. How you show your love to Lion Sand? <laughs> oh no! What is that? <laughs> Listen, I, I've I've gone through the Hato full boyfriend. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think that one either. I'm a little embarrassed. I haven't. What? I, I make a visual novel. I should have played a boyfriend by now. Yeah. Just call it research. For, 
Yeah, exactly. Context for the audience, Hateable Boyfriend is a visual novel where you can date pigeons and other birds. Now, you, may no, have, you, you may have missed that one, but I, I do hope you at least played My Horse Prince, right? You don't know that one. Oh, oh my. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> I uh, have several, several questions. However, I'll leave it alone for now. <laughs> the after dark recording. I actually have to ask you both to go ahead and Google for just images from the game My Horse Prince. I just want to hear the reactions, and then I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes. So oh, God damn it. Enjoy. Ah, it's that one. You know I'm good. Why, Calvin, why? <laughs> I didn't know that. I blocked that out of my brain successfully <laughs> until you brought it back, and now I hate you. <laughs> Last recording, Calvin ruined it. Oh, yes, yeah, Ray, don't don't do it. Don't look it up. Don't oh, do it. I, I don't plan save yourself. On it. Believe you me. Oh, <laughs> we didn't even get to your genre mashup idea. Oh yeah, not even close. Um, <laughs> there's one that I've been trying to, do, and I don't know if I'm gonna make it in time. Primarily because there are other pieces here that I see are kind of getting close to that. One half of it has already been so. It's uh, Mega Man Battle Network and Boxai the Sun. Both of these were Game Boys. Everyone knows Mega Man. I would be floored if. I only know because you told me about it earlier. Right. I never heard of it. Calvin, I looked it up just you? now, and it looks gorgeous. At least say that at the top. Of it. Oh, Boktai? Oh, is that um, is that the one? I do. I remember this. That's the one that um, had a like a solar sensor in the in the, <gasps> in the yeah. cartridge, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yes. That <laughs> yeah. It was absolute garbage because it was on the original Game Boy Advance and you couldn't be in direct sunlight with the Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ray, you found a kindred soul in my co-host. Ah, uh, bless. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. I recently, just last year, picked up a clamshell Game Boy Advance SP. Oh, SP. Nice. Yes. And that, I actually took it outside because it was best played in sun, direct sunlight. Your direct sunlight. Excuse me, go outside and play some Minish Cap, which I've never played before then. Really? Yeah. You were a Nintendo household, though. Like, you, you should at least have Game Boy. I think I largely missed the advanced stage. Uh, I, I did, too. I, I missed the, the advance and GameCube eras. I, I, I overlooked because oh, right yeah. whenever I was moving out on my own, I didn't have enough money for games. So there's, like, this <laughs> gap I have just from life situation at the time. I had so. Game Boy Color. Um, got a DS when it first came out. I largely missed Game Boy Advance, I think, for one reason or another. Brick DS or DS Lite? I think I've had literally every DS. Oh. Well, DS and 3DS. Mm, okay, okay. A DSi had one of those. No 2DS. Oh, you had a DSi? Yeah, I still have the DSi. That was... I'm, I can see it right there. I can point at, pointing at it as if you can see it on the video, which we're not paper. recording. Uh, no, DSi wasn't too bad. The DSi... Yeah, I think it was actually DSi lighter. Mm-hmm. The DSi DS was a paperweight. DS oh, the, what, the brick? Yeah. The brick was the best one. Or one of the yeah, best yeah. ones. Yeah, uh, hinges didn't break. That was nice, yes. Heck, you the 3DS that it was breaking hinges. Okay. Well, so the, oh, DSi, yeah. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I like I picked it up. I'm holding it now. It's yeah, it's wonderfully light, and I'll be a little bit small for my not small hands. <laughs> I do not have petite yeah. hands. This does not work. In- I'm a soldier. And there's a DS next to it, and the 3DS, which is much more of a brick. Oh, this is the new 3DS. Uh, got I'm my... only guessing I hinge. No. So I was, uh, I, I will try to steer some of the conversation back. Um, in particular, so we talked a lot about all this is sort of a tangent off of the, um, the series of games that you're being inspired by, Ray, right? The, um, yeah. the Rotman Heaven games. Um, and it sounds like you have a lot of things you want to take the inspiration from, but you don't 
you, know, you haven't really started building any of that. So um, with the time we have, uh, just stuff that you, you know, what have you done? Like what, what sort of um, game dev work or, or experiments or, or projects have you done in the past? So, so I've made a, I've made, I've published a few games. There's a few games that I've made, the TI series, of that's how I got my start. And I also published, have you guys heard of Meditations? Uh, and the general concept, but I'm yes. going to guess you mean something more specific. Yes, uh, it is the uh, game for every day a new game. Oh, I like that. But that, I'll put that new one. Spearheaded by uh, I forget was he Flamby? I think yes. He might... Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's headed by him. And yeah, I put one one of or at least a game or an excerpt into collection. I nice. am July third. Cool. Can you me of that recent game came out about you playing? I think a gnome or a dwarf. Who's serving some ancient king, Frozen Stone, and the actual game is meant to take an entire year to complete. Depend on actual passage of time to be solvable. It sounds familiar, but yeah, if recently... you can think of the name of that later, so that I can add a, add a link and so that I can look it up. That's on. So I, I love the idea of a game a day calendar or, or however that was presented. Um, I follow Remy on Twitter and I follow a lot, I play a lot of his games, but I I don't think I saw that project. That sounds really interesting. So it was that like a specific, um, but a game a day. Is it like how many games was in that, or is that like an ongoing thing? Or like how do you put together? Like how how well? First of all, how large would that collection have been that your games were part of? Three hundred sixty-five games. It's a lot of games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, there was a lot of outreach between just in the Twitterverse where people just they started doing like full out like open you know finishable completable dev com- a day and finishable or so so I reached out to Jupiter Headley hey you still looking for stuff yeah but of course you know asked a few questions tried to get and she gave me the spreadsheet like okay cool look through the spreadsheet just pick the random day and um, the whole prompt of it is you're supposed to make a game the story that happened on that day close to that day so unfortunately everything in may and so i kind of kind of backdated a bit then made the game submitted it put it in and yeah now it's there forever <laughs> that's it's, very cool that's a really interesting contrast to the i remember i played persona 5 just mm-hmm. all the way through in just a short space of time because i was between jobs and mm-hmm. a little bit burned out and just mm-hmm. had too much nothing to do but just play that Breath of the Wild over the holidays versus the idea of having exceedingly episodic content meant to be played over a long period of time. Really interesting study. I hope I premise something to bring up in the inevitable debate Calvin and I will have about how to release games. <laughs> I, I do like the that idea of building built-in pacing. Um, and I think that's something that we've... This has come up in a lot of our conversations, of the balance of release cycles and the two frustrating spectrum ends of either a huge game that you have to pour a ton of time in and like, your whole life into to finish because they're so enormous, or something that the entire premise of your involvement is grinding every day forever. And you know the lack of something that is somewhere more medium there where you can, you know, put time into it, but space, you know, you can enjoy it, move on with your life, come back to it and play more. And we were talking about Final Fantasy VII earlier, and maybe that will hit it. Although I'm not really sure how large those end up being playtime-wise. Reminds me of why I gave up on Destiny 2. Intellectually, I knew that it would be a perpetual grind, but after a while, just being viscerally too much of a grind. And every update I see is just... Okay, everything you've done to now wasn't very useful because we've bumped power level up requirement. Well, you know, it can also depend on how you approach a game. Destiny 2 is a good yeah. example because um, 
you can play it differently than what a lot of people do or what they intend. I love Destiny, but I don't do any grinding. I play, you know, the there's always what is like the um, the actual plot stories that come out as part of them, you know, normal missions that most people just kind of consider throwaway or just to unlock the, the parts that you grind. That's the whole game for me. I play those parts and I don't go back until there's another extension because I enjoy that and I don't have to grind. And I just play the beautiful missions and go through all the wonderful settings and have fun. And then I move on and wait. That's definitely a much healthier relationship with it. I might get back into Destiny just for that because I know I heard that the recent expansion, the one with all the dark, spooky content, was quite fun. And yeah, if, this, if there is now enough story content to be worth revisiting, I might come back for that. See. Because I would play a Destiny game that was just story mode. Yeah, I mean, you I you can approach it like that, which is also, I like the idea of games that are approachable in different ways for different, where, you know, if we're able to get different things out of it and we have different values that we uh, look for in games, they don't have to be approached for, built for one person or another. You can make those games accessible and approachable from different angles for your different players so that more people can enjoy them without taking away from the others who do want to grind or don't want to. And this question, too, of like for the hobbyist, any game dev, is that achievable? The broadly applicable game versus the much more focused game for a much smaller audience. After all, the hobbyist indie game dev doesn't have the time resources mm-hmm. to make pretty much any MMO for example. So good thing to guess we'll meditate on, think about. And I did find the game I was thinking of. It's called The Longing. L-O-N-G-I-N-G. Great. I will take a look at that. That's I, I like the, the premise of that. Sounds really interesting. Look at that. Yeah, there's a, they had a pretty good chat. That went a lot, I guess, deeper on game design than I was hoping. So awesome. Um, it's like, Ray, anything else you want to mention as we may start wrapping up? <laughs> there's not much to plug if I had plug. So I have a Twitter. It does exist. Won't find anything except retweets, art, aesthetic. Because I don't have an Insta. I don't have. I don't have Ask. a SoundCloud. Well, what's well, so Whenever you get your next project going and you want to talk about it and um, and get it out, you can come back and talk about it um, when you do have some place or something to share. Yeah, that would be It'd be our pleasure. I have to ask, what is your take on Chroma Squad? A squad? What is that? <gasps> oh my goodness, you get to learn. All right, so it's a tactical game where you play a Sentai team. Oh, Chroma Squad. Chroma Squad. I was going to say. Oh, okay. I know Chroma Squad. I know yeah. that game very well. I, I heard FOMO Squad. I'm like, is yeah, that that's, a Yeah, that's what I thought I heard too, and I, I couldn't <laughs> figure out what that was. All I know is that we just discovered a great idea for a new game, oh, FOMO yeah. Squad. The whole thing is for, like, it could be a whole uh, life management sim. Help some poor character, like Princess, the Princess Manager, but you try to help some poor student just deal with fear of missing out. <laughs> Oh, that kind of sounds like a depressing I'm kind of with that. <laughs> take take the whole time management element from Persona and mm-hmm. distill it down into a more intri- more complex engrossing FOMO game. I'm yeah. only cool with it if they jump out of a locker or some place, some impossible place like a trash can, like Elite Beat Agents, and just like, yeah. it's okay, you're not really missing out. It's insane. <laughs> and they have a cat that makes them go to bed by a certain hour. Yes. So, uh, so what? What? Um, for the next week, we usually, or for the end of the episode, we usually talk about what we're planning to do for the next week. Like, what are we working on our games? We try to commit to something there. Uh, so, do you two want to take that? Uh, we can you know, wrap up with our aspir- aspirations. Yes, I can start. I'm planning to do some editing for Anthotari. I definitely need to trim down the word count. There are some parts that were experiencing a bit of a slog. 
And if readers are finding it, if a beta reader is finding it boring, then casual reader players readers are going to find it more boring. And the more I cut out, the more less I have to edit and debug and whatnot later. So I'm probably going to focus on that all this next week. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I'll be doing the dive into Department Heaven. I feel like, and even sitting here talking, kind of realizing what I'm like. If I'm, be, mm. if I'm being absolutely real, I think for it, I might take a little foray into that and play around with a few things, experiment, see what happens. Looking forward to see what comes to that. I was actually, when you're talking about um, Knights of the Nightmare, I was thinking of, and you try to talk about all the different ways that these different mechanics interact. In my head, I was thinking of how that might apply to a chess-like game or thinking like um, the old uh, battle chess, but with maybe extra battle mechanics in the moves. Mm-hmm. Or for some reason, that popped in my head. So I could definitely see that direction. Um, right. I'd be excited to see where you take that. So I um, forward to having something to show you. Good. Um, so like I said, I have a lot, uh, my schedule is entirely different for the next future for obvious public health reasons right now. Um, so I'm going to see if I can take advantage of that to, um, maybe get some work done in the mornings. Maybe I can get some productivity in before work, um, game dev wise. Uh, also, uh, on, on Necromancer Escape, my main game project where I'm going to finish up my, um, my sprite import resizing changes I talked about last week, uh, with being able to manage my, um, art assets a little more automatically to process them correctly. Um, and I also think I'm going to try to take a crack at um, uh, trying to contribute a Windows uh, runtime binary for Pursuit Pi Bear. Um, I've been working on a Python runner project that I've talked about before, and I'm going to sort of combine that with Pursuit Pi Bear and all of its runtime dependency EXE that Windows uh, developers can use to build games without any installation dependency. Sort of like uh, the Love2D engine, but for Python. Let's see what comes to that. So, uh, thank you all listeners very much for being with us here today. Hope we can give you something to listen to while you're stuck at home. And uh, thank you very much. All y'all out there, uh, nothing to follow up with that. I'm under caffeinated still. Yes, I too will go get coffee. All right, have a good week, and uh, I look forward to talking to you next week, uh, JC. And I hope to talk to you again, Ray. Goodbye forever. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, my game. Thanks for listening to the SideQuest Completed Podcast. If you aren't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find all our episodes and our RSS feed at SideQuestCompleted.com. Subscribe today and don't miss an episode posted every Wednesday. Keep game devving and we'll see you next week.